0: Well good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and we're just so honored to have you with us today. Welcome to the Gathering. Welcome home, you know. We we have a sign right over our door to the auditorium that says welcome home and My hope is that that is not something you just read when you come into this place, but it is something that you feel. Uh, We want you to feel like you're a part of the family when you come into the gathering church, so we're glad you're here. Today's a very, very special day for our church because it is the beginning, it is the first day in 21 days of prayer. Uh, 21 days of prayer is something that our church does twice a year in January and in August. It, It is a season of dedicating ourselves to prayer and to prayer together. We really believe that prayer is the key. That, that prayer should be our first response, never our last resort, that, that in prayer we grow closer to God, that it is through prayer we attract the presence of God. And so uh, we, we put a heavy focus on prayer as a church. And what we do in January is we pray and fast as a way of dedicating our year and ourselves to the Lord right there in the beginning of the, Lord, of the year. And then in August, uh, we do prayer and feasting because it's cookout season. No, I'm kidding. Uh, in August, we do 21 days of prayer as a way of a detox from the year, as a way of preparing ourselves for the rest of the year and, and just taking a moment here in this season to pause and just give ourselves to God and give this moment to God. And honestly, I believe that 21 days of prayer could not come at a more necessary and needed time. Uh I, I, don't, I don't know if this is universal, but in, in my life and in the world, in my world and the people in my life, and I, I've just seen a lot of folks in desperate need of breakthrough and in desperate need of hope and in desperate need of peace and in desperate need of redemption and purpose and freedom and everything that we can only find from the source of hope. Yesterday, there were two mass shootings in our country. There was one in El Paso, Texas. And last night at 1 a.m., there was one in Dayton, Ohio. Um, Our world needs hope right now more than ever. It needs hope and peace and joy. And so many people are hurting and are being hurt and are causing hurt. And I believe that there is only one answer to the brokenness of this world. That there is only one who can bring peace. There is only one who can bring healing. There is only one who can bring hope. And we have that answer. And so as we enter into this season of prayer, we do it with a heavy heart and with an understanding of the hope that our city needs and that our world needs right now. It's Paul's prayer as he sends out his letter to the church in Rome. says, "May." The, in Romans fifteen thirteen it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings hope. And so as we dedicate ourselves in prayer over the next 21 days, let me point your focus in a direction this time. What I, what I would like to do is ask you to join me in prayer over the next 21 days over something specific. I believe that it is our primary mission and goal as a church to bring the message of Jesus to people that are in desperate need of it. That it is our mission, our fixation, our goal to go to the broken and hurting and lost in our city and bring them something that will change them completely from the inside out. There is only one way to be free and to be healed, and it is Jesus. And that that is, you've got to know, church, that this is our focus. That this is not a church that will just focus on you and your Christianity. That it is our goal to see you grow in your faith and to see you find freedom from things that are blinding you, and to see you discover your purpose and live in that purpose and grow more and more like Jesus every day. And we will partner with you in that. But you are not our focus. Our focus as a church is on a city that desperately needs Jesus. We are fixated on that which is lost. In in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three very powerful stories in a row. He talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and he loses one, and he leaves all ninety-nine to passionately pursue this one sheep. He finishes by telling a story about a father who has lost his son, and the son just forsakes his family and forsakes his father, and when he returns, he doesn't find a father who is vengeful and angry and who has forgotten him. He finds a father who has been anxiously anticipating his return. And Jesus tells those stories so that we can see that his focus is turned to those he has lost. That's our focus as a church. And as we move into 21 days of prayer, I want to encourage you to pray about what your part is, about what your part is. Here's what I want you to know. If you're new today, welcome to the gathering. Now you know why we're here. And, this series and this season that we're doing right now, 21 Days of Prayer, and we're starting a series called Book of Prayers where we're going to equip you to pray. This is for Christians and it's for the church and it's to build you up and increase your faith. And every series that we're going to be doing from this, after this series on, beginning September 1st to the end of the year, is going to be focused on evangelical purposes, meaning these series are gonna be excellent opportunities for people in our city to be exposed to the life-changing message of Jesus. Now, hear me say this. If you're, if you're a Christian, a longtime follower, a believer, I do believe, and we're not watering anything down for the rest of the year. It's not gonna be the same thing over and over. I believe if you allow him to, the Holy Spirit will expose you to new truth every week as you come into this place. But what it means is we're gonna create opportunities for our city to experience hope over and over and over and over every single week. So here's what I'd ask you to pray over for the next 21 days and to turn your attention and your focus to two things. I would ask you to pray over your part in two different ways. First, ask God what your part is in the ministry of the church. Another part of who we are as a church at the gathering is that we do not believe that it is up to the pastors to do the ministry the Bible says that God has given us the apostles, the priests, the elders, the teachers to equip us to do the work. So we're going to come alongside you and partner with you and equip you, but it is all of our job to reach our city. It belongs to all of us, this responsibility. And so I I would encourage you, if you've never been on the dream team, that now is the time to find your place in God's in, in this church and God's plan to bring hope to our city and to this world join us in this mission go to growth track discover your purpose and get on the team you've got to know that it is our dream team that makes this happen every week that it's not me it's not it's not it's not our staff members it is the dream team, the reason why we believe you can come into this place for the first time and feel at home is because we have a team from the parking lot to the door, to the door to the auditorium, serving coffee, answering questions. Our first impressions team, they create small touches that when combined create a culture of of acceptance, of feeling welcome and feeling wanted. You can be a part of that for somebody else. Our production team, isn't just this, it's, it's not just the guys on the stage, it's, it's, it's not just the guys in the back of the auditorium, it's not just people uh, in, a, in a room during the week putting all the creative plans together and dreams together for this church. Our production team needs every single piece and every single part working together to create an environment where people can experience the presence of God. Our kids ministry is so vital. Our dream team members who are in there right now are bringing hope to our children so that today, instead of in 20 years from now, they can begin to understand that they were created with a purpose, for a purpose, that there is a God who loves them, who wants them, and who wants to be a part of their dreams forever. And that is so important to us. Get in the game. Be with us in this. Pray over what your part is. Ask God what your part is, and then second, ask God what your part is in bringing people. You have access to networks that I will never have access to, to people in desperate need of hope that I will never meet. You, I, I have to go to work every day and see Robbie, and, and Robbie needs hope, <laughs> but in a different way. You get to go into the workplace, into, into environments with your friends, and they desperately need what you have. And so I would be asking God, what I am asking for me is that God would lay two names on my heart of people that I'm gonna get in this room over the next couple months who are gonna experience Jesus. Statistics show us that 78% of people who are invited to church are likely to say yes. And here's what else I know. I know that if you've lived your life in such a way that they've seen this is important to you, that when you invite them, you're asking them to be a part of something that matters to you and that will not offend them even if the answer is no. Who are we gonna bring? Who are we gonna share this with? What is our part? Let's spend this next 21 days interceding for our city on behalf of the people who are desperately, you've you've gotta understand, there is a desperate need for hope and we have it. And it is our burden and our responsibility and our greatest joy to share it. So that, is the focus of 21 Days of Prayer. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna start a series, and this, this, this series is practical tools. So when you came in today, you received this book. It says, Pray First on the front, which is our mantra for 21 days of prayer and beyond. If you didn't get one of these and you like one, we have Dream Team members in the back right now. If you'll raise your hand, they'll bring it to you. I want you to have this resource. I want you to have this resource. It is just filled with practical guides to prayer, different prayers that exist in the Bible and how you can pray them, templates. We know that prayer can be challenging, that speaking to a God who has created the universe and who you can't always hear can be hard. We know that. Maybe you're like me and, and you, you need a good structure for something to really work in your life. Or maybe you, you've, I've got ADD and sometimes I'll start praying. I'll forget that I'm praying and I'll just move on with my day. You know, maybe you need a little bit of help. And so we want to resource you. I love to be inspired I love to go and, and listen to a sermon or go to a conference or, or go somewhere and and just get pumped up. you know you can do it you've got this you, you are you've got it all you know, and then you kind of walk away feeling like you're ready to go bear hunting with a switch. you know what I mean you're just fired up, ready to go, but you just don't know you don't know what to do with it <laughs> I'm fired up. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something you know what we want to do is just give you some actual resources that you can go home and use that's what we want to do. We want to equip you. So this series is called Book of Prayers, and we're going to talk about four specific prayers from the Bible that you can take home and pray, and it will teach you to pray. We just want to teach you to pray. And so the first one that we're going to do today is called the Tabernacle Prayer, and it's the first one that's in your prayer guide. And so everything that I talk about today, you can get a summary of it if you look down in, in that in that prayer guide when you go to start your 21 days of prayer in the morning. Also, the practical details of 21 days of prayer. Let me not forget this. Uh, we will be meeting Monday through Friday at 6:30 in the morning, and we invite you to partner with us in giving this first part of your day over in prayer. And join us online at live.gatherashville.org, and we'll open prayer. It's just, it's not long. We're just going to open prayer. For that morning, it'll be me or one of our staff members or leaders who are gonna open prayer, and then we just commit to praying together. And then we will, uh, on Saturday, and you've gotta be there for this, we will gather together at 9 a.m. Uh, at Seacoast Asheville's campus. That's at 123 Sweeten Creek Road, and you've gotta be there for this. It's just one hour, it will, it will end exactly, it's not like church where you never really know, it will end exactly at 10 a.m. And we, we, I promise you will be changed and you will be blessed by that experience. We will have opportunity to worship corporately and then we'll have time to pray on our own and then we'll come and pray corporately. And it, it is a powerful moment. If you're praying for breakthrough over this next 21 days, do not miss a single Saturday prayer. Be there and let's join together in prayer. And then we'll worship together on Sundays and that will be the rhythm for the next 21 days starting today. And so... Uh, and so anyways, our series today starts with uh, kind of jumping into the deep end of the pool. I'm going to give the most complicated prayer that we're going to teach in this first message so that you know it gets easier from here. I really wanted to share this one with you. It's called the prayer of Moses because this is the one that has changed me the most. And so I was shown this prayer by a pastor about a year and a half ago during 21 days of prayer in January of um, however long ago, 18 months ago, and, um, and it has changed my life. It has changed the way that I experience God's presence. It has changed the way that I pray every time I pray. It has, it has blessed me, and I want to share it with you so that you can be blessed as well. I, I, I pray this prayer about three days a week. I don't pray it every day. It's long, and so I pray every day and read my Bible every day, but sometimes it's short. But at least three days a week, I do this tabernacle prayer. Every Sunday morning, before I come into this place, I pray this prayer. And here's what the Bible says about Moses' experience with God. Moses would go and pray, and he would have this experience in the tabernacle with God. And it says that he would come out of the tent of meeting, and it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And this is my prayer for you is that you would be able to experience the presence of God the way that Moses did. I believe you can. I believe that you can experience his presence in a way that is palpable, that you can feel and that changes you from the inside out. In those times, so if you don't know, you know the, the Bible history, a quick summary is that Moses was the leader that God trusted to lead the people of Israel out of slavery to the Egyptians. Most of you have seen the Prince of Egypt with all of the great songs, or maybe even the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. If you go old school with it, he's like with the red robe and he parts the, no. Anyways, Moses, Moses led the Israelites to the promised land on this round, roundabout long journey And it was God's desire at this point in history to really start to begin a distinct relationship with humanity through these people. And so the goal was for them to get into the promised land and build a temple, which would be a place where the presence of God would rest. It was his desire for his presence to be with his people. And for us, we have access to that presence every day because the ultimate plan that God had was for Jesus to make it possible for us to have the presence of God in sight of us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's the world that we live in. But in Moses' world, it was this temple. And before the temple was built, it was a temporary tabernacle, a portable church. And there's a big shout out to our setup and teardown teams who do it and do it hard. You guys rule. You take this place. Come on. You turn this high school auditorium into a house of worship every Sunday. And we're so grateful to you. Well, they had portable church back then. They called it the tabernacle. And God gave very, very specific instructions about how it was to be set up because it all had purpose and it all mattered. And throughout the Bible, we learn that God is a God of order and order is important to him. And it says in Exodus 25, he's given these instructions on how the tabernacle should be built. And it says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And so if you will try to imagine with me, it was a, a gate and then an outer court and a wall going around. And inside that court were three objects of great importance. And then there was a large tent, and it was called the Tent of Meeting. And inside that tent, there was three more objects. And then there was another curtain separating what was called the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies, the presence of God dwelt. And there was the Ark of the Covenant. This was thousands of years before Indiana Jones found it. So it was very new at the time. And the Ark has, if you remember Indiana Jones, these cherubim where their wings are touching on the top. And right in between those wings is called the mercy seat. And this was the place where God sent his presence to dwell. And Moses or the high priest would go into that place and speak to God face to face as one speaks to a friend. And so what, we, what I wanna do today is, is take you through the seven different objects, the seven phases of tabernacle prayer that Moses and the high priest would go through and teach you how to pray it because I believe it's an invaluable resource for you. It's gonna be a lot and I'm gonna try to make it as easy as I can. So just try to keep up and, and I'll take a few breaks for jokes in between just to help you snap back into it. Um, the, the thing that I wanna share with you right now is that I know this is Old Testament and that for some of us, that's like, come on, why are we doing this? Tabernacles and rituals and all of the weird stuff. Why, why does this matter to me today? And here's why. Because I believe it still matters that order is still important to God and that the things that the truth that he exposed to his priests through the order of the tabernacle still matter to us today they're important to us today Jesus said in Matthew 5:17 do not think i've come to abolish the law or the prophets i have come to fulfill them and i think that in saying that he means that there are things that happened before he came that still matter but are now complete And so I'm going to share with you how this tabernacle order is now complete because of Jesus today. So let's get started. So when I I come into prayer and when when the priests would come into this prayer, into this meeting with God, the first thing that they would do was enter through the gates. And there was a specific posture that you were supposed to enter into the court with. And the psalmist describes it in Psalm 100 verse 4. He says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Begin by giving God thanks. Open the conversation with gratitude. Open the conversation with gratitude. See, I believe every conversation goes better when you open it up with gratitude. Don't you think that's true? Do you, can you think of a conversation in your life that went very poorly, that would have gone a lot better if you would have started it with gratitude? I can. Just last week, I was coming home, and we, our family had had a, a rough couple of weeks, and we just needed just a good family night. So I, I planned the perfect family night. I got my kids' favorite meal, which is salmon. I know they're fancy. I don't know why. It's what they love. I got salmon for them, I got steak and salad for my wife and I, I got a nice glass of wine for us to share after dinner, after put the kids to bed and we could just have a glass of wine and just talk and, and hang out with one another and speak into one, look into each other's eyes and, and we, we were just so excited, I was so excited about this night that I had planned and I pulled up into the driveway and there is a gas can, the one for our lawnmower sitting in my parking spot. And my wife is right here getting out of the car and she's got 20 bags of groceries and our baby and Eleanor is grabbing on her and pulling on her like this as she's getting stuff out of the car. And I get out of the car, I stop and I get out of the car and the first thing I say is, why is there a gas can in my parking spot? And this was not the right way to open conversation for the evening that I had planned. The evening that I had planned did not transpire. Things did not go the way that I wanted. She then let me know that that gas can was there because she cut all of our grass that day and did all of the yard work and it needed to be filled and she had just gone to the grocery store with our children and they did not behave well while there. And this, this made it, here, let me tell you how this evening could have gone. <laughs> Imagine if I would have opened the door and got out of the car and said, honey, did you cut the grass today? It looks Our yard looks so good. Thank you for, for serving me this. Thank you for doing this. For, did you go grocery shopping with our not-so-well-behaved children? <laughs> what a blessing. I can't, I'm so, thank you so much for doing that. Hey, by the way, what is this gas can doing here? Can I, can I do something with it? What if I would have gone that direction? Wouldn't it have changed the conversation? When we start with gratitude it changes the conversation because gratitude changes our mindset. Gratitude takes what you've got and it makes it enough. And so I always just will start with gratitude when I walk into, when I come into this season, this moment of prayer. I say, God, thank you so much for all the gifts on my life. Thank you for the conversation I had yesterday at lunch with my friend that just made me laugh, God. Thank you for, for giving me more moments of joy in my life than, than I think a lot of people get to experience. Father, I'm so grateful for the laughter you allow me to enjoy. God, thank you for those girls that, that in a few moments they're gonna wake up and they're gonna make me smile until the moment I leave for work. God, thank you so much for the blessing on my life. Start with gratitude. Once the priests entered into the gates, the first thing that they would see was the brazen altar. And the brazen altar was, was an altar that was always burning. They always kept the fire going. There was priests who were specifically assigned to keeping this going. And there was always blood and meat on top of this brazen altar. There was a sacrifice there all the time to atone for the sins of the people. You see, the wages of sin is death. And that was the, the, the warning that God gave in the garden before the first sin. He said, if you do this, the punishment is death. And we've been making that choice ever since. And the punishment is still death. But God, in his compassion and his grace and his mercy, made a way for us to make it right by transferring our sin onto something else. But in those days, it was always temporary. It wasn't lasting. It had to be renewed over and over again. And that is why we got the cross. You see, God knew there was only one who was perfect enough, who was big enough, who was good enough to take every single one of our sins on himself so that we could be forgiven and made new and made clean once and for all. And that's the sacrifice of Jesus. We come to this point in prayer and focus on the cross. I think it's important that we don't just focus on the cross at Easter and Good Friday, that it is a part of our regular lives, that we acknowledge the reason we're able to approach the presence of God, that, that we are able to live the way that we live, to have the grace that we have is because of the sacrifice of the cross. Because of all my junk, he took it upon himself so that I could be made new, so that I could be made clean. It says in Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He is the lamb. He is the one on the altar. He is the sacrifice that makes us new. And so what I'll do here is really just spend a few moments focusing on the cross. And what I'll do, and I'm going to walk you through this quick, but I like to think about the four wounds of the cross. I learned this from a pastor a few years ago, and it just helps to put it all into perspective. In Isaiah 53, Verse 5, the prophet predicts hundreds of years before Jesus how he will go to the cross and that he would be wounded four times. Jesus was pierced in his hands, nailed to the cross, hands and feet. He was, uh, had the crown of thorns upon his head. Uh, he was pierced by a spear that went through his side into his heart, and he was whipped on his body. And the prophet Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so, as I'll pray through this, I'll, I'll thank him for the piercing for our transgressions. It's interesting, it says pierced for our transgressions, and transgressions are the, are the things that we do wrong with our hands, the choices we make, the sins that we commit, the the things that we do that separate us from God. I'll ask, I'll confess my sins. That was what the high priest would do at the brazen altar, confess their sins and the sins of the people. And so I'll just, I'll just say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for being selfish when I pulled into the driveway the other day. Forgive me for not seeing my family and what they were doing and, and being grateful, God. I just ask your forgiveness. And I'll just, I'll lay it. i say, God, thank you for the cross that I could be forgiven for this. And then it says he was crushed for our iniquities. And that's, that's the piercing uh, of his side that crushed his heart. And it says that when it pierced him, blood and water flowed out. And iniquities are the things that are already broken inside of us. The things that we need freedom from. The parts of our heart that are not from God. And so I'll just say, God, thank you for making it possible for me to find freedom from the things inside of me that want to do the wrong thing. I thank you for the cross, that I could be forgiven for my iniquity, for 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 the brokenness that it already existed in me, and then the punishment that brought us peace is the crown of thorns on His head, because it brings peace to the to the enemy of peace, which is often our minds, the stress. The anxiety, the depression, the lies of the enemy that fill us up. It, he made it possible for us to have freedom and peace even here in this place where we wage war every single day. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross, for your punishment and shame that I could have peace in a way that I never knew that I could before. And it says, by his wounds we are healed. His body was whipped and wounded so that we could have healing and complete healing in our mind, body, and spirit. And so I just thank him for the cross. Spend a few moments focusing on the cross. The cross is so important. And I want it to be in a, a big part of my day. And I want the perspective of the cross to be the lens that I see the world through. After the brazen altar, the priest would move to the laver, which is a wash basin. And I don't know why they couldn't call it a wash basin. Laver is a strange word. And so they would come to the laver, and it was this big, beautiful bowl of mirrors. And there were mirrors all around. And this was where the priest would ceremonially wash themselves to make themselves clean. And as they washed themselves, they were to dedicate each part of their body that they were washing to God. And so what, what I do at this point in the prayer and how I believe we pray through the laver is to offer every part of my life to God. To offer him every single part of me and I start, I kind of, I, I get specific here. I start at the top and I just work my way down. I, I, I start up here and I say, God, I offer you my mind and, and my thoughts and and everything that you put in me, the, the, any kind of intelligence that you gave me, strategy that you gave me, I want to use it for you, God. I give it to you. I lay it at your feet. Help me to use my thoughts for good, to think on things that are good, not on things that are negative or evil, Father. I ask that you would protect me from temptation that happens up here, that God, you would protect me from the lies of the enemy that I that I I could believe, And, and I just ask that you would use any talent of my mind for you. God, I give you my eyes. Help me to see people the way you see them, to see hurt when I can't see it myself. Give me eyes, Father, to see need that needs to be met. God, give me eyes to see vision for our city where it desperately needs it. Give me eyes to see the world the way you see it. God, I give you my ears, Father, may I only hear things that honor you, God. Help me to turn off and turn away from things that would distract me from you and move me away from you. God, I give you my mouth. Oh, this fellow right here. God, that my words would honor and glorify you. Let me not use my words to destroy and to tear down, but to build up and to encourage and to bring people closer to you, God. On, let me honor you with my mouth, Father. I give you my hands that the work that I do would build your kingdom, not my own, that everything I put my hands to would prosper and it would prosper for your glory and not for mine. God, I give you my feet that everywhere I go would be where you you send me, that I wouldn't let these feet take me somewhere I don't need to be, that God, you would protect my steps and watch over them and order them, Lord. I give you every part of myself. See, I've got to do this. This one, I spend, I spend time here. I don't know if you could tell this matters to me because I remember the moment of my salvation, a prayer that I prayed. I said, God, from this moment forward, every single part of me is yours. Every moment that I live, everything that I am, I give it to you. And I forget that. And that was a vow that I just, I'll forget. And I'll just wanna do the things that I wanna do and live the life that I wanna live and have the comfort that I want and, 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 do, and just devote myself to me. And so I need a few times a week to be reminded that I made a promise and that my life is better when it is under his control. And so this matters. This matters. So it says in Romans 12, one, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. After praying through the, the altar and confessing sin and then offering their bodies completely, every part to God and washing themselves and making themselves clean, then the priest would enter into the tent of meeting. This was, this, was a, this was an important moment because this, this was a sacred place. It was holy ground. And so they would move from the offering into the temple, and the next thing that they would see was the candlestick. It was really an oil lamp. There weren't candles, but it, it was like a menorah, a seven-tiered candle, and it, and it had oil in it all the time so that it would always be burning. And this fire, this candle, represented different aspects of the presence of God and the spirit of God. Throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, fire represented the spirit of God and the presence of God. Even in the New Testament, at the moment of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends in tongues of fire. His spirit is represented through fire. This is a moment to acknowledge and invite the work of the Holy Spirit into my life. I'll spend time here as well because I need his power. I I need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, that he's given us authority that comes with that Holy Spirit and that by his spirit we have gifts that we didn't have before, we have calling that we didn't have before and we have access that we didn't have before and I need those things in my life and on my life every single day. I need my, my, my own ability to plan and strategize is so weak. I need his wisdom and I need his discernment to come alongside what he gave me. I need his spirit to help me make decisions and, and to help me give guidance and advice and, and to counsel and to lead. I can't do that on my own. I need the power of his Holy Spirit. I invite him into this place. Uh, I'll do this part. Uh, this is where I'll spend the most time on Sunday morning because I can't do this without his spirit. I can't. If, you, if you're ever blessed by the message, please know, that is not me. It is not my talent. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray a prayer on Sundays. I call it the asking for the, the gift of Elisha. And um, Elisha and Elijah were two major prophets in the Old Testament. And Elijah did like all these amazing miracles and wonders and was famous for the way that God used him. And as he was leaving, Elisha was asked if, if there was anything he would like from Elijah before Elijah left. And Elisha said, I want double. I want twice the Holy Spirit that was on him on me. I just asked for double the Spirit, a double portion of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just ask God for a double portion of the Holy Spirit in my life. God answered it for Elisha. He, he had twice as many miracles as Elijah. And it wasn't because of his gifts or his ability. It was because of God's work in him. And I'll just say, God, just send your spirit's power just twice. Give me double. I need double the strength this morning, Father. I can't go out there and be me. I need to go out there and represent you. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your calling. And you can do this. You can invite his spirit's power and strength in your life. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. We need his Holy Spirit in our life and the work that he can do. Maybe you haven't felt the presence of God in a long time and, and you've prayed for direction and you don't get it and you just wonder, you know, is this real or is it just because of the music they're listening to? Is it, is it something people are imagining? Is it, I need you to know that it's real. I was sitting at Wild Wing Cafe with my dad. I was 14 years old, freshman in high school. And we were about to eat chicken wings, and I had been learning about different parts of the brain, and my dad's a doctor, so I wanted to impress him. So I said, hey, dad, you ever heard of the uh, hypothalamus? You ever heard of that, part of the brain? And I said, this is what it does. It's what tells your stomach when you're full. And here's the great part. If you ignore it enough, it will stop telling you that. And I said this to him in reference to the amount of chicken wings I was about to eat. I was letting him know that my, I had turned off my hypothalamus and was about to eat a great amount of chicken wings. But my dad, being who he is, stopped right there and looked at me and said, you know, the Holy Spirit is like that too. And I was like, oh gosh, dad, come on. Try and eat some chicken wings here. So the Holy Spirit is like that too. He, he will guide you and lead you and give you direction and wisdom in your life. But if you don't listen to him and you keep that pattern up and you keep... You keep making decisions and turning down his guidance. His voice will be quieter and quieter and quieter until you cannot hear him anymore. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. And there's good news. You can turn it back on. You can invite his power back into your life and he will respond. Lean into this portion of prayer. After praying, inviting God's presence and honoring God's presence at the candlestick, Moses would move to the table of the shoe bread. There was just a table with bread on it, fresh bread, all the time in the tent of meeting. And they called it shoe bread because, shoo, that's some good bread. Come on. (laughs) I I really, I thought that joke was so funny when I wrote it. I was so excited about it. And 9 a.m. didn't laugh at that either, but... I thought I'd try again. And now I know for sure it's not a good joke. And so the table of the shoe bread, the shoe bread. And at this point we claim the promises of God's word, the bread of life. Bread over and over again is used as an illustration for how much we need God's word in our life. His word is bread. He is the bread of life, Jesus says. It says in Matthew 4.4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Take a moment to honor his scripture and the word that he's already given. Sometimes we're just asking for a word from God saying, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear from you. Why won't you speak to me? And it's been right there the whole time. His word is alive. It is active. It is like a two-edged sword that will pierce every part of your heart. We need it. I'll take a moment here. Sometimes I'll stop and I'll read from my plan. I read the Bible in one year. It's it's an app you can download. And I read that and I'll read from my plan and I'll just worship in his word for a moment. I'll journal a little bit. Sometimes I have it on the front page of my journal, some of my favorite verses written down. And sometimes I'll just celebrate some of the word of his scripture at this moment. I'll say, I'll read. It said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint." No weapon formed against you will prosper and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Another one says, I am the Lord and I will help you. I just need help sometimes, God. Thank you that your word promises that you are my God and you offer me help because I know I need it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God, thank you for the promise of your, of your word. Shoo, that's some good bread. God, thank you. So that was better, right? Sometimes, thank you. Psalm 86 5, you, Lord, are worthy and good and abounding in love to all who call on you. If you just need to be reminded of who he is, you are worthy and good and abounding in love to all who call on you. That's who he is. Let's just take a moment to live in the bread of his word. Enjoy his word. And then finally, or number six is the altar of incense. I'm wrapping it up, I know. Uh, The altar of incense, it's a lot. I know, you got this. This incense was burning right outside the curtain into the the Holy of Holies, and it was just there as worship, just to be a sweet smell to smell before you entered into his presence. And I, I just think it's important to worship his name, that you've been through all this in your prayer. You've shown gratitude, you've confessed your sin, you've remembered the cross, You've taken a moment to offer your whole body as a living sacrifice to God. You've invited the work of the Holy Spirit into your life and, and you've studied his word and just dwelt on his word and now it's just time to worship. I'm always listening to worship music when I pray and a lot of times I'll just stop here and sing along with whatever's playing and just worship. God, I just, I just worship you. I won't be overcome. Give me wisdom. Lord, I just worship in this moment. I'll just, I'll sing along and man, it just blesses me to be in this moment where I'm connected with the one who made me and I know I'm entering into his presence. Because right after this moment of worship, you walk through the curtain into the holy of holies. You step onto holy ground. And when you pray through this prayer, at least for me, and I believe for you as well, that you pray through this prayer and you, you allow yourself to move through these steps and you follow this order that God gave us, I believe you can step into the presence of God. And see, that priest had to go through some heavy curtains. He had to go through all of this just to, just to come near to his presence at the ark. But we just, we get to draw close to him in our basement, in our living room, in the, in the car. We get to draw close to him like this at our desk at work. We get to, we get to walk up, to this Holy of Holies, a place where, where there was so much, so much reverence and so much honor given. We can do this in our living room, on our favorite chair. And I believe when you, when you pray through this prayer, you have this opportunity to step into his presence. And for the priests and for Moses and for me and for us, When you get through all of this prayer up to this moment and you're in the presence of God, there's there's one thing left and that is to intercede, to intercede, to intercede, to intercede. It just means to step in the way of. And this was the moment they had worked, they had worshiped and honored God and and Moses' heart was for the people, these stubborn people, that they would be able to see the goodness of God and he would just pour his heart out for them and on their behalf in the presence of God. And this is also our calling, and this is our burden, and this is what we're made to do to intercede for others, to pray for our leaders, to pray for people in our lives, to pray for our families, to pray for our neighbors, to pray for our co workers, to pray for all those affected in the atrocities yesterday, to pray for the families of the shooters to pray for people who are thinking of doing that right now across this nation here in our city to, to intercede to get in the way of to get a step in on behalf of Holy Father I just I do this for you every week every week more than once some of you by name because I want you to see I want you to experience it. I want you to feel his presence this way. God, I lift up my friend to you. He's broken. He's burdened. I ask that you would give him eyes to see the right path forward, that you would give him ears to hear your peace, your words, Father. That God, you would just call him to repentance, Father. That you would call him to turn away from the path he's on and towards one that would lead him to freedom and purpose and meaning. God, Lord, I lift up my neighbors to you. I don't. I just. I just want to be a light to them. Let me not be the grumpy guy that's mad about lawns. Help me to be someone that represents hope and peace and light for them every time they see me. God, Lord, I ask for opportunities. I ask for opportunities with my friends who don't know you that you would use your spirit to move in them that you would make a window for me to use my mouth for your glory to share your hope with someone whose heart is broken and in need of it God give me eyes to see the needs help me to see the hurt and the pain of the people you've called me to lead that I could be hope for them that I could step in that I could that I could just help in some way God give me Give me the chance. Intercede for your city. Intercede for somebody specific. Intercede for our country. Intercede for your church. I believe it is one of the greatest callings on our life and one of the moments of greatest honor that we could have is to go before our Father and present someone to Him. And I just think His heart lights up for it that He just that he's just so, so glad to see us asking for what he wants us to ask for. And that's to fill up heaven, to empty out hell. There's just too much brokenness in our city. There's too much brokenness in our families. There's too much brokenness on our friends and we have the answer. We have it, we have it. Intercede for them. Don't ever neglect this responsibility. Intercede. I hope that this blesses you. I hope that it helps you the way that it helps me. It's all right here. You can look in there. I forget what page it's on. It's not hard to find. It's a tiny book. Tabernacle Prayer. Pray it. Be blessed by it. Bless others through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God, that you would That you would care enough about me to call me to yourself, to make a way for me to approach you, to make a way for me to experience your presence. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, we just, I just lift up as we open 21 days of prayer. I lift up every person in this room, God, that you would move, that there would be a moving God of God in their house, Lord. That you would move in their homes, that you would move in their hearts, that you would move in their communities, that God, they would begin to see change that you would lay names on their hearts, that something would happen in this place, that something would happen in this city over the next 21 days, that you would help us to start to see people the way you see them, to pursue the lost the way that you pursue them, to go after them with reckless abandon and just a blind pursuit that they need the hope you offer. We worship you and we lift your name. In Jesus' name, amen.